You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur, I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. Amateur hour is what's happening. All right, well, that's right, folks. The show's called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He is his darkness. So, hey, don't, don't get in my sup. Don't get in my sup. I got, I got, I got in your sup. Don't rush it. Well, I, I typically say, and joining me today. You know, my creative companion, his darkness. So there we go. That felt a little more natural. Uh, so listen, uh, we're we're now here at KCSN. It's AHP KCSN season 12, the debut. Um, I'm very, very excited. And right off the top, listen, the boys and girls clubs of greater Kansas City. Do you love sports? You want to share your love by coaching some local youth? Our partners this year, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, they need your help today. Visit helpkckids.org and click on Volunteer for more information. Did you know Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City has sports programs for local kids? Beyond after-school programming, the clubs offer leagues for baseball, softball, basketball, flag football, and more. Search volunteer options on helpkckids.org. Beautiful. Well, Dirk, listen, uh, it's it's been a while, and we're we've got the new digs. Uh, thanks to Tucker D. Franklin with the uh really excellent looking new logo. Uh the D stands for artist, artistry, I believe. It's wonderful. I, I feel like uh Howard Stern and like private parts when he shows up and he's doing all the, the different the different things those producers are just staring at him like what the what the fuck are you doing? He like goes across the, the the wind chimes, right? <laughs> well, you know, and I mean I've got this this one wonderful picture here from our friend Ryan Ewing. Had to make one alteration. So Ryan, if you wanna send me just an S in, even just that one little square, that'd be cool. Um but please don't comment on my my lack of background. All right. Once that first KCSN check clears, we'll upgrade. All right. We'll we'll upgrade. If you guys want professional hour, you're gonna have to cough up some Benjamins. All right. Welcome to amateur hour, folks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, uh, so it's so the rundown for today, uh, a bit of a annual tradition at this point for us, our season preview show, uh, where we ask 10 questions about the chief season. Uh, kind of started this a couple years ago and kind of keep the theme going uh, throughout the season and kind of reflect back to these questions and, you know, kind of use it as, as a bouncing point, as, as talking points throughout the year. 
Um, so it's it's one of my favorite shows that we do all year. Uh, I typically don't like preview shows, but I do like this one just because it's uh, maybe my most excited time of the year is, is getting ready for football season and, and taking everything in. Um, and so it's an exciting time. Um, we are going to be doing this in two parts uh, because they don't want us to stay on here for like two and a half hours like we want to. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so we've been instructed to break it down into two parts. Uh, and we will abide by that. Nope. And shit, let's dive into it. Are you ready? I'm gonna be steering the ship today, because uh, I I drive these questions. They've been sent over to Ryan, uh, and we're just gonna you know talk our way through this. Are you ready, Ryan? I am indeed ready. I did am. you did you know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year? Did you remember that? That's not a question. It's just a little <clears throat> refresher. Um. Well, listen. I mean, as as far as social media is concerned. And many concerned citizens around the globe, the Chiefs only won that Super Bowl because of the playing surface. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I don't care. Let's win it on a legit field this year. Where's the Super Bowl at this year? Win a real ring, Mahomes! Come on. (laughs) Where's the Super Bowl at this year? Do we know? Uh, I bet Tampa or Dallas or Vegas. It's Vegas. I think it is Vegas. Vegas. Hell yeah! That's gonna be wild. They should have a good field. They should have a good field. Well, so I was actually just in Las Vegas, and you got the you, you saw the field, uh, test the turf. I did not. I did not. I did not. Um, I didn't want to get arrested. It was so weird though. I kept seeing all these signs because we were on like that end of the strip. We stayed at the Mandalay Bay. Um, that end of the strip. I know that end. <laughs> it's my first time. <laughs> um, so, well. Being at that end of the strip, we had to take an Uber every single time we wanted to go up the strip, and they are currently doing a ton of road construction because they're hosting a Formula One event in November. Oh, hell yeah. So, you know, before the Super Bowl in February, Vegas is getting a a big facelift on the roads, at least Mm. along the strip there. Mm. What could Uh, go wrong with a Formula One race in in Las Vegas? Honestly, you know what it is? Uh, it's revenue from all of the Marcus Peters jersey sales there in Las Vegas. A true Raider. A Raider <laughs> for life. I thought I would see you in a Raiders shirt to start the show, to start the season, but it hasn't come in yet. I'm guessing it's on the way. He um... even once said the worst take in, in sports history that he would rather go 2-14 and 14 and beat the Raiders twice then go 14-2 and two and win the Super Bowl and lose to the Raiders twice. That look, Those words came look, out of Ryan's got all the time. Look, look those, were, those were some dark times in Chiefs <laughs> history, and you had to take what you could get, and I hate the Raiders. And so I, want, I said I would take that because I didn't see the future, Man, like Dirk it. Stradamus was able to do in predicting a Super Bowl. Um, but, I love the Raiders. Two wins, two wins every year. It's it's a great, a great, it's, great organization. Yeah. It's it's you know Travis Kelsey's got the great. He's like I love I love seeing the I love seeing Raiders fans. It means I'm going to go for 150 and two touchdowns. I'm just like yes. I'm sorry guys. All right, let's so get these questions. The Raiders, they kind of tie into this first question here. Question is, what can the Chiefs learn from the 2020 season to help them in 2023? Uh, and this is going to kind of be my theme of the season because I'll, I'll be eyeing this 2020 season throughout 2023 because for obvious reasons, uh, that was our defending Super Bowl champion season. Um, it was kind of a weird year. 
Um, the team almost seemed bored. Uh, they played tons and tons of close games uh, and seemed to win all of them. Uh, it was almost like they were sleepwalking through it, but it was also kind of weird because it was the COVID season. Uh, so that kind of added to that that feeling where it was just like, blah, blah, we're going to get to the playoffs and win another Super Bowl. And it's it's just easy. Everything was like easy up until, you know, it wasn't. What, can, just real quick. I don't remember when or if people were allowed to watch football in person that year. Was it empty stadiums like until the playoffs or something? No, well, no, you you could sit and like space yourself out, but every season or every stadium had different rules. Okay, Uh, but it was like they were just, oh, 15,000 for home games. Thank you. Holy shit, we got a producer fucking fact-checking us. This could be awesome or it could be terrible. Uh, So thank you for that, producer Nick. Look, our uh, love our, that our average is going to be soaring like Woo! like the like the graph that BJ's always tweeting out. Yeah, we're we're moving on up. I think he did a down graph when when we signed up with him, but I thought that was kind of weird. It was the same day as as we signed. It was he's just competitive. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's tough to be it's, back to uh, our yeah competitive back to compete with 20, the, 20, 20, 2010 Arrowhead Pride days when we were competing for clicks. <laughs> yep. There um, we go. Back to, back to 2020, though. So that was, I mean, we lost to the Raiders that year. That was kind of like the most exciting part. And then we had the, uh, they did the stadium tour. Uh, and they, you know, we had the revenge game. That was actually a close game. Um, but, you know, very little adversity throughout the season. And then, you know, when adversity finally bopped them in the face in the Super Bowl, they weren't ready. And they didn't handle it well. Uh, and I do kind of believe there was almost like a level of arrogance there. Uh, we kind of entered that game without both of our starting tackles. And I really don't think we changed the game plan up due to arrogance because it was just like, you know, we're the Chiefs. We're doing our thing. We don't lose. And, you know, we rode that all the way to getting bopped in the Super Bowl. Um, So it's kind of a weird year. Uh, I'll tie that in with one of my favorite nuggets from this year uh, was in the Super Bowl ring that the Chiefs got. Uh, And I got a quote here, but engraved on the inside of each ring in big, bold, all caps, red lettering lies a single word word that is meant to encapsulate everything for which the team stands. Edge. So, and it's just kind of like that having that edge, not edge rusher, I assume, uh, but having that edge to, to the team. Um, so really what I think this season comes down to is do the 2023 Chiefs keep that edge? You know, I think that I, I have some some conflicted feelings because I guess when I started to think about 2020 specifically as a fan and an optimistic one at that, um, I feel like I want to just chalk up 2020 to uh, a drunk driving accident and a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. That's that's I guess what I look at. Um, Remind me on the drunk driving. Uh, Britt Reed, Andy's oh, son, yeah. like yeah, yeah. like two or three days or a week before or something, the Super Bowl. Um, and suddenly with the offensive line shuffling, I mean, you've got Wisniewski starting and he's only been on the team since like December. And I believe that both tackles were playing positions that they weren't playing all year because they moved Rimmers over to left and they shift Wiley out to right tackle. And like, it's this terrible makeshift offensive line and Mahomes is running for his life against one of the better pass rushes in the NFL that year. 
And and really, and, they had they had every kind of every reason to be arrogant. I mean, because they had everybody together except who got hurt in the AFC Championship. Was it Fisher? It was Fisher. And so that was kind of you know. But we had survived like the Mitch Schwartz injury already. We had this completely makeshift offensive line, and we still rolled through the AFC playoffs. And it's just like we are so much better than every other team in the league. Like it does not matter what's happening here. Like we're just gonna we're just gonna win this other Super Bowl. And I don't remember like how long Mitch Schwartz was up in the air that year, but like they deliberately were playing Mike Rimmers at right tackle. I think they went into the season like this guy is going to play right tackle this year because Mitch was not healthy. I don't, I I could be wrong on that, but I think, that I think that kind of plays into arrogance. Like we've seen Mike Rimmers. All right. I mean, hey, hey, Rivers know. was fine on the right side. All right. Rivers gets a he really was, bad rap because he, was, he, he switched was. and then just got torched in the in the Super Bowl. But he was fine at right tackle. I'm, I, I'm going to say it for Rivers. I just don't I mean, think that, that, I mean, didn't they go 14 and two? Yeah. With, with essentially losing the last game because they didn't play any starters. So, it's, I mean, yeah. basically 15 and one. Yeah. It's like every game down the stretch, we had like that weird game. We played the Falcons towards the end and we barely beat them at home 17 to 14. Like our last, it's like six games here are all one score wins. Uh, it was just a weird season where it just like it kept building on building. And it was just like, even as a fan, you're watching it and it's just like, like, it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to pull this out at the end. Just we'd seen so much winning over the last 18 months leading up to that game. It was just, it was shocking that we lost the Super Bowl. But I think when you look at the teams that won the Super Bowl 2019 and 2022, the teams faced a lot of adversity throughout the season and that kind of built the character and had them prepared for, you know, when they, you know, when Mahomes hurts his foot in a game or hurt his ankle and, you know, they get down more they down 10 points to the Eagles. Uh, and, you know, look back at the 2019 season, obviously they're down in, in all of those games and double digits in all those games. And they had faced the adversity and they knew how to overcome that. And that was really a characteristic that I'm not sure the 2020 team had, and it kind of bit them in the ass at the end. So I'm hoping that they just keep that hunger about them because you see championship teams kind of, you know, they'll win a championship and then they quickly fade. Like, look at the other Super Bowl teams uh, that have won like the last handful of years other than the Chiefs. They kind of win one and then they fade back down. And it's just kind of, it's hard to win a Super Bowl and it's hard to keep that hunger. Um, and so I, I really think like one of our questions leading into last year was like the disease of less. And it was kind of bringing in all these new faces. And it was Mahomes 2.0. And it was this new era of Chiefs, like almost like a rebuilding. And that really led to like a new hunger with the team that propelled them to win the Super Bowl last year. I mean, look, if you want to talk about having an edge, this is literal and figurative as as well. Uh, Where's Frank Clark? Where's Frank Clark? Doo-doo. He's, he's on your other favorite team. Where's Frank Clark? Where's Frank Clark? Listen, guys. You know uh, where he is, right? I mean, you're seeing this knowing where he is. Yes, I heard he was playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game wearing a Broncos uniform. Yes. Um, What's that preseason about? game two, to be fair. All right. Two out of three. Uh, but like, actually, how about this? Um, if I want to do this properly, Nick, can we afford Sarah McLaughlin? I will remember you. Look, dude, I'm going to miss Frank. I'm going to miss him. 
Uh, Nick says not you, in the budget. You, you the budget. say three different songs. We're 15 minutes in the damn show, and you were saying three different songs. Let's, let's yeah. Let's Look for. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm excited. I'm all excited. Right, let's, let's keep this moving because I think we've adjusted. This is going to be a question that we kind of revisit throughout the season. It's not too much to say on it right now. Um, the number two question for the 2023 Chiefs is going to lead to the biggest issue going on right now. The original question, and that is because, um, well, actually, we're going to take a little break before we uh, before we get to question two. I am reminded that we actually take breaks on this show. Uh, so we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back hit you with question two. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? We've got to interrupt today's podcast to tell you about our friends at Factor. And with the busy season just around the corner, school's starting up, football's starting up, sports are starting back up for this season. You might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. And Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with fresh, chef-preferred, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy with your end-of-summer goals to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factors, get the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up while still getting the flavor and the nutritional quality that you need. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy to get back to crushing your goals. Refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat you can choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in just two minutes. And then you can level up as well with their Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. I put in an order with Factor. I got a chef's choice, so I'm excited to see what they send me there with uh, Factor. So here's what you got to do. You got to head to factormeals.com slash kcsn50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. Now let's get back to the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Oh, oh, we're back. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, question two. <laughs> I was I was about to go to the bathroom. I thought it was a lot longer than that. Uh, so, is the new Chris Jones the forever Chris Jones? Now, keep in mind, I wrote this uh, maybe a week or two ago. Uh, I just assumed that the Chris Jones holdout would end right after training camp. Um, so, you know, we're going to kind of get into this holdout here that's that's really dragging on and taking on a new life of its own, especially today with Chris Jones on Twitter. But the question I have for Chris Jones, because I like this question, Chris Jones was a man on a mission last year. He established himself as a leader on this team and the leader of the defense. He made a point to call himself out about missing the sack on Joe Burrow in the 2021 AFC Championship game. So all he did was cap off a top three NFL Defensive Player of the Year season with a sack on Joe Burrow on the Bengals' final offensive snap in the 2022 AFC Championship game. He also clearly had his eye on a new contract. So the question is, after he accomplished just about everything that he set out to do, do we see the same Chris Jones that we saw last year? Do we see that same Chris Jones moving forward? Well, I, I'll just say I, see Chris Jones. I, I'll, I'll, I'll start with, I doubt it. Uh, like is the new Chris Jones, the forever Chris Jones. I doubt it. Uh, cause he's had one year like this, maybe two. Definitely That's one. I, I saw it. I watched it. It Stab was great. Wise. That's why um, nothing compared to what he did last year. He was on another level last year. So, but look, okay. How about this? I'll, I'll, I was trying to figure out the right transition. Um, what can the Chiefs learn from the 2020 season to help them in 2023? They can pay Chris Jones. They can pay him. They paid him before. You know what? Maybe they shouldn't. I got it backwards. They paid Chris Jones before 2020, and they lost the Super Bowl. So maybe what they can learn is to not pay him. I mean, look. I, I think we can edit that. Can I? No, I actually I like it. I like it. Welcome to Amateur Hour. Um, look, honestly, I feel like I could sit here and argue it either way. I think that there is a case to be made on either side of the argument on whether or not you're going to see more of the same from Chris Jones if he's, you know, the motivated player that is in literally a contract year if the team makes it clear. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest problem that they face in this particular situation is that a Chris Jones extension allows them to make some corresponding moves. And I think that they need to, I think that they have an addition or two that they would like to make, particularly on that defensive line where Chris Jones plays. I just, uh, so you're talking about signing some dudes off the street and we just don't have the money for it right now. Literally. Yeah. I mean, like everyone's been under this assumption, like Carlos Dunlap will play for the Kansas city chiefs. Um, well, and I love to see. There was other ones too. There was uh, our boy Melvin, Melvin Ingram, Ingram, not Gordon. I, Melvin Ingram. I think that Robert Quinn is technically still on the street now. I mean, he had 19 and a half sacks or whatever it was for the Bears two years ago, and then did absolutely nothing in Philly last year when we thought the Chiefs were going to trade for him. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm looking at it thinking um, the Chiefs are like kind of frozen on their assets and. I mean, if they if they can't find some wiggle room somewhere, um, if Chris Jones, I mean, think of the, the dude has a tremendous amount of leverage over them because they're pretty strapped. 
and so and, and because of the timing because of the timing is the problem like if they were at this point in like april you know you could look at making like a trade and like trying to build up this d-line you know without him maybe like you know going that tyreek hill route and i do think there's a bit of a smart business sense to making a decision like that because they you know he's about to turn 30 um you know aaron donald just got that hefty contract uh, and that's kind of the the big problem here is that Aaron Donald really broke the market for defensive tackle. And then he's 32 and then only puts up five sacks like to, last year, has a down year. That's almost looking like a bad contract at this point. Like there's this smart business sense, like think of the old school Patriots, never afraid to move on from somebody. Um, the problem is you're up against the season now. So if you don't have Chris Jones, you know, for this season... I mean, what are you going to get? You're not going to get like a player that's going to fulfill what he can do. So maybe you get a dra draft pick, but your defense is is going to fall apart, I think. Um, and and your other problem is, you know, it's uh, comparing this to the Tyreek Hill situation where, you know, Veach puts his nuts on the table and he's like, well, you know, we're moving off of Tyreek Hill because we're not going to pay him that and we'll take what we can get for him and, you know, move on. The problem is Mahomes is there to overcome the loss of Tyreek Hill. There's not really anybody there that can overcome the loss of Chris Plum. So if you're looking at just the 2023 season, while I think there is a bit of a smart business side to not paying him, um, you're really up against it at this point. And now I don't know what you do if he's really serious about holding out for you know missing real-life games, which I never thought was even on the table. But now he's tweeting out about sitting out until week eight. Um, so what? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do at this point. You know, I'm in this moment. Um, I'm almost reminded of that tweet uh, where they talk about like the different things that guys that play different positions would play, and the wide receivers ones are always super weird. Because um, I'm I, tweets or whatever the different types of tweets, like yeah. how a quarterback tweets yeah. versus a, a receiver or whatever. Uh -huh. um, because you know, I'm looking at Chris Jones and like the way that he's playing around, um, and and. I, I can't tell if he's serious or not. Nobody really can. And it seems like the only uh, what felt like was information we could use potentially was when Brett Veach was like, look, I mean, we play our first games, whatever it is, September 7th. Like, that's the deadline. We kind of, we're kind of taking a break and it'll heat up again. And uh, I mean, look, we're cooking here in Kansas City, both literally and figuratively. And I'm just, I don't, what, what, what would you do? I mean, like, cause I'm thinking you're talking about like trying to in some way replace him. Like if they feel like they're so pressed that they have to trade him, what I'm looking to do is trade Chris Jones to a team that can give me a defensive tackle replacement that would be Aaron a downgrade Aaron and, and get a draft pick, you know, to, to try to bridge after this year or something. And like, you know, I think I heard. Uh, old Rant Swanson uh, mentioned that maybe we could send him to Chicago. They just drafted two defensive tackles, and it's like, yeah, all right, give us a draft pick and and one of those rookies or something. And I mean, who who knows? It's not even worth trying to figure out what they could do in trade because I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but it's truly imagining him sitting out games. I'm I'm just as perplexed about it as you are. And I'm starting to get to that point that I think a lot of people are. We're like, I'm crabby about it, man. Like, Chris, what what is there to accomplish right now? Because honestly, like, if you if you aren't here, 
soon. I mean, maybe he's looking at it and it's like the Spags defense tends to always start slow anyway. So if, you know, Chris Jones showing up late, not being in shape until week six, maybe it's not the, you know, it's certainly not the end of the world or anything. But I just, what is what is he doing? What is, what's the purpose? What do they stand to gain here? I do think he has a lot of leverage, but like you're playing hardball. And ultimately, if we want to think about it from the player perspective, like what are the Chiefs haggling over him about? You know, if he's asking for 30 million and we want to offer 28 or something, what's the principle in saying, okay, so what, over over four years? We're talking about $8 million in total or something? Like, Clark, come on. Dude, that does not, and I mean, maybe it's not Clark. Maybe it's more on beach. Well, we just set this number and it's not worth it to pay him. Oh, but like going through this, when we're talking about $8 million over the next, you know, three, four years, and I'm obviously just spitballing here, but I don't think there's got to be some huge cavern between what he's asking for and what they want to pay. And so it seems like they're just digging their heels in. I I think there could be, man, because if you look at these, (laughs) the top salaries Aaron Donald's at almost 32 million and then the second defensive tackle is at 24 million who's Quinton Williams who just signed that contract yeah. uh, and then you got Jeffrey Simmons at 23.5 John Payne at 22.5 uh, that's average salary per year I, there's just such a gulf between one and two that I feel like they're like okay you're gonna get more than Quinton Williams because you're better than Quinton Williams so we want to offer you 25 and I think he's probably like I'm better than Aaron Donald now Look at the defensive player of the year voting. Look at all these other things. Look at what I did last year. I should be the highest paid. So I should get more than Aaron Donald. So I think he's asking for 32, and I bet the Chiefs are at like 25 for 26. Um, well, some of it may come down to the guaranteed portion of the contract because think about it. Four years ago, well, technically three years ago, entering the 2020 season, he signs for $60 million guaranteed. Forget about the average per year. He gets $60 million guaranteed dollars. Chris Jones has proceeded to be an excellent player that doesn't miss time, had just had his best season three years into that contract, and he wants to sign another deal and he just turned 29 years old. Why can't I have more than $60 million guaranteed? Well, I think that the top guys at defensive tackle are what they're topping out at 65, 68, 70. I, what did uh, Aaron Donald get? I think he got uh, 80 or 90 million guaranteed. And then you look at a guy like TJ Watt, who's kind of in that area too. Like that is where Chris Jones wants to be. So let me ask you this. I mean, if this is too literal, we could just move on. But like, would you just give Chris Jones like three years, 90 million fully guaranteed? Just take the money. I mean... I, I don't think that anybody wants to hand out a fully guaranteed contract, but like if they gave him two years for sixty million guaranteed, like just we'll just guarantee it like you're on the franchise tag the next two years. I don't know. Like I think there's something that they have to figure out here because it's at the point now where it's all that anybody can think about. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean I I've just been completely avoiding the story because it's just like, well, this is just gonna be I I know exactly when it's gonna end. Training camp is gonna end and then he's gonna report. Um and so that I mean, what did they break? Like three days ago, four days ago or something? I don't know. What day is this? Uh <laughs> this is what day is this? Uh it was like last Wednesday. So six days ago, I think, was their last day of camp. I could be wrong. And 
Yeah, so I mean, and the issue here is you don't want to, you don't want to lose Chris Jones for nothing. Uh, so you know, if they don't re-sign him, so he has he plays out this year, and then they could franchise him next year, right? Uh, they could, and I think that it's like uh, he's in that twenty percent raise category, um, oh, yeah. or something. Well, I could be wrong. I, I mean, don't you know just don't want to walk for nothing because then that I mean that's just a valuable asset. So you either want to you know, pay the man and keep him here or, you know, trade him and bring in a haul. I mean, that was, that was the trade off with losing Tyreek Kill. It's like, sure. We're like we lose the most explosive player on the league, but we're bringing in these draft picks. We're saving this money. Like there's, there's, you know, you're gaining things at the same time. You can't just like let Chris Jones walk and get like a third round conditional pick in 2025 or whatever. Like that's, that's not going to move the, the needle here. Um, So it's really just a tricky situation and he seems serious about it, but man, it's, are you worried that it, you know, could affect this season? I, I almost said tank this season, but I don't. I think we're too good to say tank. Uh, but man, this could lead to a lot of early struggles. Are are you that worried at this point? I mean, what do you do if he's not there for week one and still hasn't reported? I mean, it's it, what if we lose to the Lions? Oh, I mean, I think it's totally like in the cards that we lose to the Lions, regardless of whether Chris Jones is there or not. I don't think that he's... I mean, think think about what he did last year, man. Uh, I've been trying to find it. Um, yeah. Where Chris Jones ranked amongst defensive tackles last year. First in the NFL in snaps. First in the NFL in pressures. First in pass rush win rate. First in wins versus double teams. First in sacks created versus double teams, like you exactly. remove so like, a player from 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 your defense like that, and uh, <laughs> this is why his agents go in there and they say, "Why am I not the highest paid defensive tackle in the in the league? Look at these stats. I'm I'm the best one." Um, and so I really think the Aaron Donald contract has just kind of fucked us over on this one. And I mean, it's almost kind of reminiscent. Maybe this is a bad example because Christian Kirk isn't on that level, but Christian Kirk got paid when he got paid. And then all the other receivers, it created all this movement because now they're like, man, I'm way better than Christian Kirk. I should be getting paid this much. Uh, and it's really just, I mean, it's a dangerous spot once you have people looking out for you know themselves in the checkbooks like this. It's, it's a tough spot for a team because it's just, I, I I always worry about stuff like this just when he comes back in. I, I, and actually, I think all the players are, are on his side. They'll probably want him to get paid and stuff. But it's just, it's a bad look. And I'm, I'm shocked that it's carried on as, as long as it did. Um, I, I think that it has ripple effects too. And we should talk about that after this break. Thanks for listening to KC sports network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the app store or Google play. Just search KC sports network. Dirk, give me a, a little, a little throwback here to something that we used to use on this show pretty regularly. Give me, hit me with question number three. Question number three. Do the Chiefs have enough pass rush around Chris Jones? Puff, puff. Uh, so obviously Chris Jones brings the puff, puff here. This was a concern of mine, you know, even with a, you know, Chris Jones at 100% in shape, in camp, all of this. Do the Chiefs have enough uh, pass rush? Um, and, you know, I, here's a stat to kind of back that up. So Chiefs in sacks by year. This is where they rank in the NFL by year, uh, essentially in the Mahomes era. Uh, so last year, they were second in sacks in the league. The year before, 30th. I, I had kind of forgotten how bad they were at sacks uh, in 2021. 
Uh, and so then 2020, they were 19th. And in 2019, they were 11th. Uh, if you don't notice the pattern there, the two years that they won the Super Bowl, they were second and 11th in sacks. And the two years that they didn't win the Super Bowl, they were 30th and 19th. Um, and so, you know, we lost some pieces last year. Um, you know, we have two first round picks, but it's it's tough to, uh, you know, expect too much from a rookie coming in. Um, but, you know, now early in the season, you got Chris Jones. Huge question mark. I, I have fresh off a holdout here in my notes, but that's not entirely accurate because not, not even here. You have Ominahu, who is suspended. You have Felix, who is a rookie. And so you have all these question marks at pass rush. It hasn't looked good in the preseason. And I'm not sure this defense can be good without a pass rush. Like, that's what propelled them to be a Super Bowl quality defense last year was this pass rush that ranked second in sacks in the league. I mean, to me, like, a lot of those, it's it's such an interesting collection of talent. Um, I think an extension allows them to add a veteran. And I, I am mostly circling Carlos Dunlap. Like, I, he's still just been kind of living rent-free in my head. And it seems like it's the Chiefs move each year. We're going to, I mean, at least the last few years, we'll go get Melvin Ingram in week six or whatever. We'll add Carlos Dunlap late in the game. Um, but they need him for week one. I At this point, yes. But like anything else, anything apart from being able to add another defensive end in my, my first thinking, I guess, uh, might have me worried. I mean, slow starts are a spag staple. So maybe there's no reason to think that we won't like that the defense won't be playing their best ball in January. But I think the honest evaluation is that they stink at defensive tackle outside of Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. And and honestly, they're they're pretty much saved by all of the edge players who seem to rush better from the inside. Aminahu is a defensive end that is better at defensive tackle when he's rushing the passer. Uh, same for Mike Dana more often than not. So that leaves George Karloftis, who I love, and Felix and Yudike Uzama, who I'm excited about. He's really? like 21 years old, one of the youngest players in the draft, and he looks like he's got that ability to corner. Man, that first preseason game, I saw it a couple times, and I said, ooh, he looks fast. Yep. He really looks quick, and, and I think that there's something there. But... That I I and, and Chris Jones, let's not forget, got probably half of his sacks last year off of the edge. Spags moves all those guys around, and it's inside of that flexibility defensively that they become dangerous. And so when you suddenly remove not only your best player, but a guy that fits into that rotation of constantly moving pieces that can try to confuse a front and attack different weaknesses at different times in the game. Chris Jones sacking Joe Burrow to end the AFC championship was Chris Jones coming off of the right tackle. Like we, we lose this weapon in his arsenal that, I mean, look, <clears throat> it's hard to make the Mahomes comparison because Mahomes is so much better than, I think really any player at any position in the league, he is the best asset period. But the way that Chris Jones played last year, I think both of us consistently made the argument, particularly down the backstretch that he was the defensive player of the year, meaning best defensive player in football last year. 
So it's going to be hard for him to replicate that, especially not having been at training camp and potentially not having that carrot dangling in front of him of Joe Burrow escaping a sack the year before and that being the end of that game. So like, I don't, I don't know. He, I see that he's trying to prove his point and, and maximize his money. But if, if we're asking, do the chiefs have enough pass rush around his puff puff? If Chris Jones is here, I still think they need to have a add a veteran. If Chris Jones is not, I really worry about what they're going to be able to do, and it sucks because I think when he's on the field and and, and in you know great conditions, they could have been top you know eight defense this year, and I'm worried about what it's going to look like. And I think we can all agree it's going to be a slow start on defense, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it might just be kind of survival at the beginning of the season because there are exciting pieces. I mean, you have two first-round picks at edge, so you should have high expectations for those two. Uh, but yeah, I think the pieces are there it, with a healthy Chris Jones, with a with a Chris Jones that's that's working. But without him, and especially with the Ominahu suspension early on, I'm just really worried about these opening games that I just I just don't think there's going to be a pass rush. I think the quarterback's just going to sit back there and and start picking us apart. Um, and so it's, it's a dangerous spot. Um, I, we, we do, I do want to mention one thing, one of my most exciting parts of the off season, that George Karloftis is working very closely with Tom Bahali and he is working on these jujitsu moves and he's doing all this. Anytime that someone's learning from Tom Bahali, um, I, I will take note of that. One of my favorite chiefs of all time. So I love seeing that. And, and George might be like, now that I'm thinking about, he might be like the key to this team. Because we need someone who's going to step up and provide a pass rush. And we've always kind of put George, or at least I have, as like, man, I think he can be solid, but I'm not sure if he can ever be like a true game changer. Um, if he can take that step, I mean, that might answer a lot of these questions that we're asking right now. Could could you make the, I mean, you could. Would you make the argument that the defense is quite literally built around Chris Jones? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm sure like a lot of defenses would say the same thing. Like it's built around your best player. And if you pull that best player out of there, like it, it might fall apart. But yeah, I mean, if if Chris Jones is commanding double teams on every single play, so all these other pass rushers have one-on-ones. Like that's that's the idea of, of the defense. That's what led to so many sacks last year. Now you have some guys that can win these one-on-ones as well as Chris Jones, you know, taking up this double team and also making plays. Once he goes away, now that attention shifts to like, like I'm saying, George or, you know, somebody else or, you know, maybe picking up these some of these blitzes that that Spags draws up. Um, and it really does just it affects everybody on the defense not having. Them. Um, so it's it, yeah, it's obviously just I mean, what, what can you say? That, well, it's not going to be a good defense without Chris Jones. I just don't see any way. And that really leads into it kind of begs question four, yep. if you will tease it a little bit are the chiefs cornerbacks strong enough to unleash the spags so that that that, that. Oh, no, no, no. last year the biggest question surrounding this team was the youth at cornerback i mean after sneed got hurt early in that afc championship game they were playing three rookie cornerbacks against the best receiving trio in the nfl uh mcduffie uh obviously banged up early in the season last year but showed immense promise might be a stud uh, the JW twins kind of giving off Brandon Brothers vibes, uh, Car and Flowers. Uh, if they all take a step forward, does the strength of the team switch to cornerback? And with that, does that open up the opportunity 
for Spags to go hog wild with his blitz schemes, having a secondary that he trusts. I mean, that to me is really the why when I look at the way that this thing is built, particularly when we're talking about those corners, um, you know, this is their best year, probably. This is the best year of, I think, like full collection of talent in the secondary that they might get over like the next four or five. And it certainly depends on how some of these guys develop. But like, is that I don't you think we won't resign Snead? Yes. It's not looking particularly promising in that area. Um, it might come down I, to Chris I, Jones. I think <laughs> potentially, right? Maybe um, Chris Jones questions about the 2023 season. <laughs> um, I guess I just, I think that like, if you, if you look at the full collection of talent behind Chris Jones, and particularly in the back seven, if I can expand your question a little bit, because they really loaded up at linebacker, adding Tranquil. They are four starters deep. They're finding excuses to use all four of those guys in a bunch of different ways. And when I look at corner and I think I can use both Sneed and McDuffie, and I have Chamari Connor that they're blitzing out of the slot like a you know nuclear I, weapon. I can um, look it up who that who twenty seven was like. Why why is this dude blitzing on every single play? Yeah, um, you know Spags has got those guys. You can move Brian Cook or Justin Reed also into the slot, kind of depending on what they're doing and into the box. Um, they're so multiple. And then I look at the corners, and <clears throat> sometimes. Legereus Sneed is manning up on the number one wide receiver on the other team and following them around the field. Rare, but it happens. And then you still have, obviously you mentioned the 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 JW brothers. I'm sure you'll come up with something clever to, to figure out how to do that. Um, and I mean, even, you know, you think they lost Nazi Johnson, who looked like he was starting to fight for snaps and was on the team all last season. People seem to think Nick Jones is going to make the team. He kind of broke his hand. Um, I really like uh, Echo. That's my boy, though. That's uh, that's a guy that I've been been thinking about. Seems like he's playing kind of scrappy out there, but he, he might be knocking off no your dudes are. might be knocking off your uh, your buddy from Nebraska, DiCaprio Boodle. Ah, what about Lamar? Would Jackson? you rather have Boydo or Boodle? Can't have both. <laughs> Can't I have both? I mean, you might need to. They got to fill Chris Jones's roster spot somehow. Hey, hey oh. Um. I, I think that without the pass rush and the attention that Chris Jones gets, he puts everything that all these other units are trying to do in jeopardy. And so it might be really difficult to get a true read on where these corners are at in year two. Like we might just chalk it up to, or, or be want to chalk it up to like a sophomore slump for some of those young players in our secondary that you could include Brian cook in that mix uh, simply because that they say that pass rush and secondary that they work in tandem. But, you know, we even had some of those conversations because it seemed like Belichick was investing in the secondary instead of the pass rush. And we're trying to figure out like bucking trends in, inside of roster management. And Veach has got an absolutely loaded secondary. And as you mentioned, two first round picks at defensive end, but man, if you don't have that linchpin in there, I mean, it's literally you're ten, 10 questions about Chris Jones. 
It's, it's kind of wild because we least have every big, defensive question about Chris Jones. We have these big questions about our pass rush. We have two first round picks there and like, well, we got the strength of our team here, our fourth round and a seventh round pick from last year. Um, I mean, obviously McDuffie's in there too, but the corners just played surpassed my expectations so far last year that it's that I, I was amazed by the end of the season. Like, I, I can't believe these rookies are, are playing this well. Um, but I, I do almost kind of think like Spagnolo might be the key here because if they don't have the bodies up front to generate the pass rush, it's going to have to be him that generates the pass rush. And, you know, as you're talking about these different pieces that can fill in at different spots, like I was kind of surprised to learn uh, who was that dude? Shamay Shalarly? What's his name? Shalar- Sh- Charlie Shabat? It's Chamari. Chamari. Connor. Chimichurri Charlie. Um, I was kind of shocked to learn that he's a safety and not a corner because he's like playing the slot, isn't he? And blitzing off the slot. Jimmy Shirley Charlie is crazy. <laughs> uh, or what's that? Jimmy Chunga Charlie. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay, he's got to make the team. He's got all kinds of. Uh, well, it, it depends on how deep you dig because I do believe that on draft night, I want to say I heard the anecdote on draft night when they drafted him, Spags was like, we're going to blitz you. <laughs> like, and and here they are. I mean, literally, he's just like a battering ram. If he's on the field, he's blitzing. Yep. Um, and to, but having these different pieces that can fill in, you can really disguise what you're doing on the back end. Uh, so if you have these pieces, like I love dudes that can, you know, play corner and moonlight as a safety or play safety and moonlight as a corner. Like I thought that was one of the big things about Tyron Matthew is that, you know, he's a great safety, but he can also come down and play the slot and man up on the slot receiver. Uh, and that just enables you to hide these different blitzes, bring a guy off from the slot and have Matthew slide in and take him man to man. Uh, but you have like these different pieces that can all fill in in different spots. And I think that opens up the blitz schemes. So I almost kind of wonder if that's where they're going to be early in this season is, is, is just spags going wild. And this is something that he likes to do. I mean, he loves to blitz. Um, I pulled these blitz rate stats here. Uh, last year, they were 14th in blitz rate. Uh, 2021, they were 6th. Uh, 2029 and 2019-14th. So they've always been in the top half of the league. They came down a little last year and still finished second in sacks. Uh, and you got to think that was a huge reason for their success is they didn't have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback because, uh, you know, that can lead to problems. But if you have the secondary that can that can back you up, then you can then you can bring these blitzes. Uh, so it's just an interesting game that they'll have to face, especially early in the season, the question marks around Chris Jones. Honestly, the thing that pisses me off most now when I think about this situation is like the Chiefs, if you look specifically, I've been dancing around this point. <laughs> if you look specifically at the middle of the field, the Chiefs should be able to like absolutely control between the hash marks in most games defensively, whether it's against the run or it's against the pass, the way that that talent is loaded up. And you especially think about like, I literally believe that uh, adding a guy like Mike Edwards to be able to start creating turnovers. Um, I know it's not like these staggering turnover numbers. He's no Marcus Peters. But <clears throat> not everybody can always be a Raider. Um, I do think that a guy like Mike Edwards is going to make a difference. But then you're also talking about Justin Reed. And you're talking about Brian Cook. And you're talking about those four deep at linebacker. And you're talking about Snead. And you're talking about McDuffie. And you're talking about Shamari Connor. All these guys that play like around that general line of scrimmage and back, you know, going, riding those hash marks all the way back. Um, 
And yet, who's the best player that they have that plays between the hash marks? It's Chris Jones. And if you remove him from that situation, suddenly everybody behind him is going to have a much tougher job to do. I mean, it just... You know what, Chris? You're a jerk, man. You He's going to sign tomorrow. And You're a jerk. He's going to sign tomorrow and ruin this podcast. It's going to happen. As Full soon as he signs a contract, he totally redeems himself. <laughs> but right now, I'm irritated. I'm irritated. I'm not having a good time with it. We had this date picked. I, I thought for sure it was going to be that Chris Jones party because it was just going to be, you know, either re-signed or... I don't think he's getting a new contract at this point. I don't, I don't want to dive back into it, but I, it just seems like it's gone on too long for him to get a new contract. He's just going to have to show up and play under his current contract. Yeah. I don't think they trade him either. So I think it's going it? to be him, depending on, you know, deciding on when to show up, but I think it's going to be under that contract, and then they're just going to have to finish, f- figure it out next offseason. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on a little bit. Question five. You you asked question question number five. Does the AFC have eight of the ten best teams in the NFL? And I want to use this a little bit, if I may, to at least kind of ask you like a sub question that's been rolling underneath all of our Chris Jones conversation. You may. I guess in terms of like wins and losses in the standings, when the dust settles, depending on even and, and it's such a awful way to try to figure out this season because we don't know what's going to happen with him. But like the worst case scenario, Chris Jones actually holds out. Maybe it's week eight. Like he said today, if we're going to take him at his word that he's going to miss the first seven weeks of the season, like what does that do? In what way does it move the needle? Does it ruin the entire season? I mean, like, I don't know how, how it works out in wins and losses because it's not like he'll be right when he steps into the building in week eight or whatever. I mean, I don't I don't know how to quantify what actually happens here because I think that he's already behind schedule if he shows up and he's doing this just wondrous job of trying to string everybody along, including his employer, it seems like. Yeah, I think the fear is that he just, you know, you're not in football shape and then you show up and there's, I, I think the biggest fear is that there's a higher risk of injury and then it's just a totally lost season and it's because of, you know, a stupid decision to not play. Your you own know? foolishness, potentially. And I don't, th- I mean, he's probably in great shape, but not football shape, you know, isn't that what they say? Yeah, and it, but then you're just like, I mean, say they, I mean, what if they're four and three or something and like they, they start pressing like, oh man, we need Chris Jones this week because we got a big game against the Chargers, and we really need this win. So you play him too many snaps, and that's when he gets hurt or something. It just leads to all kinds of problems. Is there anything special about Week 8, or you think that was just a random statement? It's not like he has to report by Week 8 or something. Um, Chiefs schedule. <laughs> just going to look. I don't know. Like, when is the bye? You know, or or who are we playing? I've, I like I'm sure has to... Yeah, so Nick's saying that's the cutoff to get like paid under his current, like to like a crew, like for an actual season kind of thing. And that might be like his. Oh, well, there. they like, bumped it up because didn't didn't Vincent Jackson hold out until like, yeah, like week 13 or 10? something? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You I know what never was, works out? You, you know what never works out? Yeah. Holding yeah. out and missing games. It's never worked. Never worked. Uh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell did it. Yeah, uh, he missed the whole season. And obviously, he's still having it. Now he's boxing. Um, so this question uh, right here. All right, we're going to spin off, kind of talk about the AFC. So last year, it was all about the AFC West. 
This year's is kind of the AFC in general. Uh, eight of the top 11 teams in Super Bowl odds are in the AFC. Uh, so the NFC will give you Philly and San Francisco. Next up, consensus would be Dallas. Uh, I don't think anybody really trusts them. They got good odds because they're a uh, home team or whatever, whatever, whatever they call it. Uh, but in the AFC, you have KC, Cincy, Buffalo, Baltimore, Chargers, Jets, Dolphins, Jags. And I'd even throw Cleveland and Pittsburgh in there as looming. Like these are teams that I would pick to be a surprise team um, in the NFC, but they play in the AFC that's just so stacked. Um, so when you look around the conference, I mean, who, who you got your eye on, who you like across the AFC amongst these contenders with the Chiefs? Um, well, I don't like the Raiders as we've well established. Um, I don't like the Bengals either. Uh, I, I don't like them. I don't like them. I mean, do I like them as a, as a, they are a competitive team in that way, in that instance? Uh, as in yeah, you don't think they'll be as good this good. year? You think they'll, they'll no. take a step back? No, I'm saying I don't like them. Oh. I think they're a bunch of jerks. I don't like the Bengals. Um, I want to beat them real bad. Uh, when we play on, is it? Do we have them on Christmas or do we have them on New Year's Eve? We got both holidays this year. I think it's right around Christmas, Christmas Eve. No, we play on Christmas and on New Year's Eve. Oh, um, yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, New Year's Eve is the Bengals. Christmas, the Raiders. New Year's Eve. That's on. <clears throat> so, I mean, look, I I think that the Bengals are also finding themselves in a pretty interesting position in a few different ways. Um, I think that their offensive line is upgraded uh, if they don't just have like a bomb go off in the injury department. Uh, I do think that moving Jonah Williams to right tackle and having Orlando Brown at left tackle is better than whatever they were doing last year. Um, so that's... I mean, they, seem, they seem fine with three of their guys out against the Bills. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um I, I think that that secondary, uh, I mean, you lose Jesse Bates and that is going to change some things. And Dax Hill, the guy that they drafted in the first round to take over for him, didn't really play very much last year. And so it's just like throwing him out there. Um, and, and really, it seems like that defense has been about Big Lou, but it's been hard to ignore the fact that a lot of the veteran additions that they've made over the years have worked out for them. And some of those guys have even left and not played well elsewhere. So, um, you know, I, I think that they've had a lot of luck defensively. I think there's certainly a world where they could take a step backward. Um, but I think that their division is going to be really tough. You know, we were everyone was asking the question about if the AFC West was like one of the best divisions ever. Um, I actually think that that, that AFC North this year is going to be pretty brutal, man. I think all of those teams have the potential to be in the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, the Bengals could just get beat up. And honestly, I mean, Burrow was wearing that calf sleeve before the strain or whatever. Um, he still hasn't signed a contract, right? Like, they people have been saying that he shouldn't step on the field until he has a new contract. If I'm his agent, he will not be on the field again until he has a new deal. I mean, there's a lot if you're a Bengals fan to maybe start feeling nervous about. Uh, but like between them and the Bills, um, also for what it's worth, uh, the Bengals have Joe Mixon, who had a very, very, very strange offseason, and everybody kept saying they were going to cut him, and pretty much nothing else behind him. Samaji Piran, who ate our lunch, is no longer there. He plays for Denver now. Um, and I just don't even really know what they did behind him. 
So like I, I think that the Bengals, despite the fact that they're pretty arrogant and 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 have really great talent at receiver, Tyler Boyd is a year older. Uh, they don't have uh, Hurst anymore. Who did they sign at tight end? Somebody not good. I don't think it was somebody that moved the needle for me at all. Um, I don't know, man. And, and you look at the Bills. You say the Bills are past their peak, and I don't fully disagree with you. Uh, you know, I don't. Right, there's good things. Swinging this around a little bit. Um, the Bills are going to be interesting because I think the expectations are off them this year, and I think they've almost been kind of hampered by that. Just been hurt, just thrown at us as the biggest favorite for two straight years now without without really earning it. So that's kind of off now. I also think Josh Allen, the elbow thing, I, I could see the argument for his elbow was fucked up last year and now it's kind of healed. So I think they're interesting. Uh, the Ravens adding the receivers, at, adding the weapons at receiver, and then getting a Lamar Jackson who, you know, if he can stay healthy, they've been right there with the healthy Lamar Jackson, and then they kind of fall off as he's gotten hurt the last two years. I'd argue their biggest addition was Todd Monken, personally. I don't know if it's yeah. going to work, but like that is what changes their offense and makes them really, really interesting this year. I mean, Another, he's basically like a like a Bruce Arians clone, wants to throw the ball deep all the time, and Greg Roman was like, let's run the friggin' wishbone. Well, I mean, for obvious reasons, I mean, I, I, that, almost, that almost worries me a little bit as a, as a Ravens. But uh, another interesting move at offensive coordinator is the Chargers bringing in Kellen Moore, which I think might be the biggest move. So I can kind of see the Chargers taking a big step uh, if they could maybe possibly for once have a healthy season. Uh, I know they got their left tackle back and their receivers and, you know, Joey Bosa staying healthy. No, he's, he's not staying healthy. No, that, that, that one was a joke. That was a joke. I mean, uh, Derwin James has had his struggles too. It's constantly something's going on with that team. I think the Jags are kind of interesting too. With you know, if you're looking at a quarterback to really take that next step, I mean, Lawrence took a big step last year, but I could see him taking another another even bigger step, especially with adding Calvin Ridley. Like, I love their receiving core. Their division is terrible. Like, I could see the Jags just kind of being the team that's running um, the you know the the worst division, and they kind of pile up wins like that. Uh, because they clearly have the worst division in the AFC. Um, so those are kind of the three teams I have my eyes on. But I, I just think, in general, the AFC is stacked. Man. I mean, you throw Rodgers in on the Jets. Uh, you throw Vic Fangio in on the Dolphins. Uh, there's just a lot of interesting teams that I could I could see providing problems. Like, the AFC is just stacked overall. And the NFC is basically two teams and the Cowboys and, you know, maybe the Lions. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's, <clears throat> I think... Each one of those teams probably finds himself in a similar position to the Chiefs. Certainly not, hey, our best defensive player isn't here right now, but they all have some sort of like, uh, you know, whatever is it, fly in the ointment, right? I mean, you can look at Miami and say, but what about Tua? You know, you can, you could, you, so you can, what about pretty much any of those teams? Uh, they all have that one thing. And that's, I think, what makes the AFC so interesting. I don't know when the NFC is going to start investing in these quarterbacks. I would think ideally, I mean, at least at least as far as Mahomes' purposes are concerned, like, you know, maybe some contract disputes or, or what. Because, I don't I mean, at this point, all the AFC teams should have better records. So, like, the top 10 in the NFL draft should just be NF NFC, 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 NFC. I don't know if the math works out that way, but, like, you know, if you ranked them, certainly that way, the, the inverse order, they'd be getting to, to take all the quarterbacks. Well, I would imagine, Dirk, that this is probably a good time for us to take uh, uh, a little break from 
the f- or 10, 10 questions, 10 questions. I'm stumbling all over myself. Uh, take a little break from the 10 questions. We're going to split this big into break. two shows. Break, as you big mentioned. Break. Yeah. Big, big break. Actually. It's like a, like a, like a week, a full week. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stay there for a week. Yeah. And wait till this, the next bond to start. But um, we do have the second part of the 10 questions coming up, which should be next week. Yes. And we're totally not recording it tonight at all. No. Definitely would Definitely. never do something like that. All right. Well, uh, listen, folks, I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. And Justin Herbert is Philip Rivers. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.